G'day everybody, it's uh, Brendan Crates here from Tasmania, that's a little island just under Australia that's often left off of maps. Um, I've really been enjoying listening to That Would Be Rad lately and the, the recent episodes, especially of, of the Australian UFO stories. Obviously in Tasmania we're very familiar with the, with the Valentic um, disappearance of a what is sort of Tasmania's coolest, creepiest legend? What is the story that, what's the best one, I suppose? And um, there are many. There are, there are many, many great urban legends and things like that, paranormal encounters that came from Tasmania. But the one that really spoke to me is... Um, the haunting of Allison Road. Allison Road sort of has everything. There's there's the history, the the murders and the crime and that aspect. But then there's also this aspect of a road that's in the middle of nowhere and it's it's a bit spooky. And sometimes when people are driving down it alone, they see things. They see a girl on the side of the road or they see an axe floating above the road or their car mysteriously breaks down or all of those kinds of really interesting things. And I think the real exciting, cool thing about Allison Road is so many people have a story of Allison Road. This isn't one ghost, a one-and-done ghost story. This is a ghost story with hundreds of people kind of saying they've had these exciting encounters. So I'd like to welcome you to this episode of That Would Be Rad, live from Allison Road, where I'm uh, driving right now. Unfortunately, I couldn't come out here at night. I've, I've had to kind of fit it in on a, on a work trip. But this is my first time driving down it in person. I heard the story many, many times. And, and even now, at sort of one in the afternoon, it's got a bit of a creepy vibe. It's it's very overcast. It's very quiet. There's no other cars. I'm on the lookout because I don't know where exactly it is for the, the infamous stump of Allison Road. Um, and even when I, I pulled over earlier to start the recorder swore that someone walked behind my car but looked back and and there was no one there. So, um, I'm just driving, following the road. If I see anything along the way, I'll let you know. Maybe that was, maybe I've already encountered the young girl that's said to be out here. But either way, I I can attest to the fact that Allison Road is creepy. And I'm sure if you were out here at night, it would be a whole different vibe. So enjoy this episode of That Would Be Rad. Brendan out.
Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. What's up, dude? Man, uh, listeners, what you just heard was actual on-location audio from our listener, Brendan Kreitz, who mm-hmm. lives in Tasmania. Not only did he turn us onto this story in the first place, but he actually, which dude, he actually went out there and recorded his experience as he's driving down this haunted road. That is a dedicated, oh, that man. would be rad listener. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like he he, he kind of mentioned this to us um, to kind of look into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, man, months and months and months ago. Yeah. And then he mentioned that he might actually go out there, and we're like, oh, my gosh, dude, that would be amazing. Tell us how it goes. Never mm-hmm. in a million years did I think he's going to be sending us the actual audio of him as he's driving yeah. down this road. Amazing. So, I mean, special thanks to Brendan for sending us this and taking the time to share the experience not only with us, but being willing to have us share it with all of you, our listeners, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for those of you that have also sent us your stories as well, fear not. Mm-hmm. We'll be featuring them soon, we promise. You know, yep. one of the things that I told Brendan was when we get these kind of things in, we like to take our time to make sure not only that we research the story in general and give it, uh, you know, what it deserves, the attention right. it deserves, mm-hmm. but also, you know, man... We, we're just perfectionists and we, we want it to just, uh, you know, for the lack of a better term, we want it to scare you guys as much as it uh, kind of freaked us out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, and and also, too, I, I, I think we should definitely say that there's something about this case, which, you know, to, I, I guess in Tasmania, it's like one of the, the more popular, like bigger sort of cases. But the thing that I was most interested in is I'd never heard about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and truthfully, like as we dug... It's really sort of like the tangents that we ended up going on just because of the way our minds work. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a whole lot about it, really. Yeah. And that, Mm -hmm. like, hyper-local legend is just like, I mean, that's like the cream of the crop for us, man. Yeah. So all you listeners who haven't sent in a story or maybe an urban legend that, you know, that is, like what he said, super sort of local, send it in because we love that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, what's interesting is no matter where you grew up, we've all got that sort of like handful of urban legends and mysteries that surround like old abandoned houses yeah. or like an old like factory. I mean, it, wasn't there like a, um, wasn't there like an old like, oh, I don't know, no. grain mill or something like out out by where you guys grew up? Yeah, so uh, I lived up in, in a rural town. Good God, take a shot. <laughs> In Cleveland, Georgia, and there was this road called Cooley Woods Road. And um, it, what's interesting is, like, ever since I was a kid, my Aunt Linda, who was sort of my gateway into, like, the paranormal, and, you know, she was kind of the, the one person I had to kind of go to in my family that was into all that stuff. Oops, just hit the mic. And, uh, you know, she she had, like, every Stephen King book. And, you know, my family was just not that. They were very mm. blue-collar, which I've said before. But... She would always tell all these stories and like all kinds of crazy stuff around this road. There was like supposedly if you went on the road at night, you could hear like this the sound of this like like 
they called it like like the panther lady, hmm. where it's like half panther, half woman, and you would hear this like cry, screech mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is really interesting. And then the other one was uh, the one that the thing that you're talking about. There's a grist mill where uh, I believe a guy like killed his family, sure, and boy. something about like the it was like a flood or something or like a real bad rain in the area. And I guess like the little pond out front like filled up, you know, mm. like with rain. So it was overflowing. And I guess like, I don't know if they were like the bodies were in there or something. The, the, this is the urban legend that I, I always heard. And like something about, you know, it was the little pond was backed up. So it completely turned red. And that's how Whoa. folks know, knew that like, it, you know, he had killed his family or wife or, or whatever it was. And then somebody in the area, I can't remember, I want to say it was even linked to, like, my family somehow when they were little. They reportedly, like, found, like, the straight razor, like, in the little pond or something Yikes, when they man. drained it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty spooky. But, uh, but yeah, all towns have these things, and, uh, and we love them. It's always, there's just something about it. When there is a tragedy sort of tied to mm-hmm. a, a haunting sort of urban legend that just right. makes it super scary and almost like in a way like more believable, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think we need to kick it off with us kind of talking about the tragedy that that occurred. Um, but first, a little disclaimer. Due to some of the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. And as always, be rad. So first, I mean, let me just read to you like the newspaper headline. Story of the body's discovery. The marks on accused man's hand. Sensational anonymous letter. Quote, I saw you murder Chrissy Vin. Mm. What's super interesting and very synchronistic is the fact that almost literally 101 years to the day oh, yeah. of this episode coming out is when this murder took place. Pure synchronicity. So Chrissy Vinn was a 13-year-old Australian girl who was murdered outside the village of North Mountain uh, in Tasmania. Now, for our listeners that don't know a whole lot about, I guess, Australia in general, gosh, I had even forgotten this fact. Tasmania is actually an Australian state, but it's Mm -hmm. the small island. Well, it's the island that's just below... Australia. Mm-hmm. You might know it from the excellent movie, Young Einstein. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I was introduced to Tasmania as a kid, besides, you know, obviously the Tasmanian devil or whatever. Wasn't that, wasn't that a Mel Brooks movie? No. No? Mm-mm. Just cut that out. I certainly will. <laughs> um, so Chrissy was kind of like, and, and this is a different time. Obviously, this is like 1921. Um, this isn't like 2022 when we would never let our 13-year-olds probably walk to town um, to run errands for us or whatever. But, you know, whatever. Um, It was a typical sort of evening. and It is directed by Mel Brooks. Is it really? Yeah. No. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, wait, no. That's young Frankenstein. Come on, man. Close enough. It was around 7 p.m. on February 26, 19... 21. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing about this this murder case. There's a lot of different, like, because it happened 100 plus years ago, mm-hmm. some of the details are a little, like, yeah, different, right, with each reporting. So 
around, we'll say, the 20th of February, 1921, Chrissy left their house to kind of walk to town to kind of run some errands for her family, which wasn't, like I said earlier, atypical. You know, they needed to they needed her to get some groceries or something. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those chores that she had done plenty of times and actually kind of enjoyed walking down Allison Road um, to get to town. Which, and, which by the way, I looked up and the the particular road that she would walk, which, God, it just shows how different things are now from then, is only three miles long. Right. She would literally, she was 13 and would walk three miles back and forth. So later that evening, her mom started to become pretty concerned because she hadn't seen her daughter since earlier in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So she actually went out, the mom actually went out to kind of search for her along the route that she knew Chrissy typically took. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously didn't see anything uh, that would cause her alarm. But again, she didn't find her daughter. So in the days that followed, tons of individuals uh, kind of organized a search group in the surrounding area to find the missing young lady. And, you know, there were several witnesses that had seen her on that afternoon walking along Allison Road and remembered seeing her along the road heading into town. But after that, didn't. So um, one of the things that kind of started cluing people into the the potential that there might be some foul play here is that there were two boys, uh, farm boys, uh, who, while they were playing outside and helping their dad work, uh, who was a farmer in his field, they heard what they thought to be like a girl's scream or someone's scream Mm -hmm. for help. And but it was kind of brief and short, and so the boys kind of were like, ah, maybe it was just, you know, a noise in the wind or something that you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't until later, once people started searching, and this actually became sort of a news headline that they kind of put two and two together and thought, well, maybe we heard this girl uh, screaming. So it wasn't until like March first that like an official new search party gathered in an area just off of Allison Road. And how long was it uh, from the time that she, her disappearance, like this <clears> new <throat> search party? Yeah, so so about four or five days. Okay, okay. As this new search party was searching, a couple of the guys in the search party decided to search, and I don't know why, but they started decided to search several sort of like these large tree stumps that were found at the location. And that's actually where they ended up finding Chrissy mm-hmm. Vinn's um, you know, remains. Mm-hmm. She was inside a hollow in one of the trees, um, still wearing the same white dress that she had left home, uh, had left home wearing. Yeah. You know, a lot of the details again over the years have become muddy. Um, some reports claim that the young girl was, you know, severely mutilated. Some of them even go as far as to say that the victim was decapitated. I, I, I saw where she, she had like a wire around her neck. So I think that was the official mm-hmm. yeah. cause of death was uh, asphyxiation. But again, like there's a bunch of, di- there's some reports that say that she had some sort of like um, clothing shoved forcibly in her mouth, a piece of, I see like too that, yeah, there was a um, hay baling wire mm-hmm. was tied around the young girl's throat. Yeah. <clears throat> Although according to the, one report that they thought it was kind of to help moving the body, not to actually commit the uh, right, right. The actual murder. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, the I think the official cause said uh, suffocation, which I did look into this, and as if this story isn't like tragic enough. I mean, it's you know, Woody and I, we both have daughters, so it's mm. it's just like man, it really hits home. But uh, I did look into that, and you know that it can take up to three to four minutes to die from suffocation. It's like it's a lot longer than what you would see on a movie. So it's like yeah, wow, horrible, yeah, yeah, and. All this sort of intricate details aside, the fact that she was found in this tree trunk, which I think measured nine feet, nine feet tall, and then I think sixteen. Wait a minute, nine feet say. tall. So I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's wild. If I mean, that's not like humanly possible. There was but that she was like there, shoved. I mean, it was just like she's like smashed into this. Like, yeah, and apparently her face was swollen, and again. Uh, disclaimer, pretty gruesome. Uh, maggots were found around the mouth and eyes with the wire tightly around her neck. There was found a piece of white tape and a green ribbon around her waist, and she wore white petticoats. The one interesting thing that I that I found also is that she had a gold chain bangle around her wrist hmm. and a gold wedding ring on her right hand, which was really interesting to me. I, I don't know what that could possibly be but i mean it definitely shows that there was other motives other than just like hey we're gonna rob this kid or you know whatever mundane explanation that somebody could just sort of throw out her dress was bloodied the back of the dress was torn uh two pieces of calico showing blood were around her knee which i don't really Hmm. know what that is she it also said that this is awful but um and again there's like two sort of one thing I heard that like there was no there were no signs of like molestation or or anything mm-hmm. like that. But then, in the official medical report, it says that she was out she had been outraged, which I looked that up because I didn't know what that meant. And outraged basically is sort of the word for assault, like raped, sexual back assault. then. Yeah, sexually assaulted. Ugh. Yeah, pretty bad. Well, <clears throat> initially there weren't really any, I guess. Suspects, right? There were no witnesses to this crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't too long until a, a guy named George William King, mm-hmm. which, boy, that just sounds like a serial killer. Yeah. Name, yeah. Right? For sure. Suspicion started to kind of fall on him pretty quickly for a lot of different reasons. But so George William King was a local farmer in the area and a friend of the family, primarily Chrissy Venn's mother, uh, Ina. And he was also, a little twist here, a member of the search party that actually helped look for Chrissy. Yeah. But he actually wasn't a part of the group that found the young girl. He was, like, somewhere else um, when that happened. Uh, but he was present when the victim's body was removed from the tree. And some of the people around him, some of the locals, noticed that he had several scratch marks and cuts mm-hmm. upon his hands, leading everybody to kind of question him, like, what, how did he get those? And so for the most part, people basically thought, uh, let's see, he's got all these crazy marks on his hands. This girl's like shoved into this freaking tree stump. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be it. He'd also kind of been known to be seen sort of walking the, the road with Chrissy on multiple occasions previously. Right. So initially, when people started bringing to light these injuries that he had on his hands. He claimed that he got the injuries by during the search 
with an incident with a log, like in the woods, mm-hmm. like somewhere else. Oh, I got scratched up by this log. Later, he claimed that they could have been from the result of, quote, play fighting with his wife. Mm-hmm. Now, folks. Well, let me, let me clarify that. So okay. he had scratches all over his hands, but then he also had scratches on his face and like a oh, busted boy. a busted lip. And that's what you're about to get into. That's where he said that um, he said, "Oh, we were we were play fighting." He had a young daughter, and there's some kind of game where, like, I guess him and his wife were were like trying to see who would who sh- the little girl would like come and give mm-hmm. kisses to or whatever. Um, and her wife accidentally like clawed and scratched his face, supposedly. His wife, yeah, man, yeah. And you know, here's the thing: it's very easy for me, for us, for you listening, a mm-hmm. hundred years later, to kind of be like, "That's it, definitely did it." Yeah. But if you really think about it, man, like when, and I think this falls perfectly in line with like my recent like sort of re obsession with sort of like listening to or reading about true crime stuff, mm-hmm. like. When evidence is so circumstantial, yeah, like think about all the times, like right now, dude. I I, I just look over. I've got this like scratch on my arm mm-hmm. from whenever I was like building my new desk or whatever. And if something happened to somebody, they would be like, oh, "Oh my gosh, he's got a scratch on his arm." Right. A place that would be, you know, like yeah. There are ways to kind of skew or pitch mm-hmm. th- these things to make them seem like. And of course, it's you know unfair for me to just be like, well, first off, his name sounds like a serial killer and he's got scratches all over himself. He did it. I'm just saying that like, man, it's, oh, it's just, it's interesting, man. It's that, I think that's one of the most fascinating things about like any kind of like sort of true crime stuff when there's not, when it's still an unsolved mystery a yeah. hundred years later. Well, right? it, and, and I mean, especially I, I would imagine back then, it's real easy to get into like crazed witch hunt territory but I will say, and again, this is—I feel like this season, boy, I've really turned a corner. Okay, there were there were some things about King that were just a little weird. So you have the scratches on the face and the hands. Uh, once he was co- sort of taken in and questioned in the official report, apparently, I don't know if it would be like a coroner or. I don't know who would have who would have set this up, but apparently mm-hmm. the scratches on his wrist and hands were noted to be made by human fingers. And that's that's a little interesting. There's also a few other things that that kind of were pretty red flags. Apparently there was a, there was a, like questioning with a guy in the area who I guess he had worked for, who was like a potato farmer. He had initially said, um, I, I think King had said, yeah. I was working at so-and-so's farm. And then this guy in, in an official report said, no, he actually wasn't in the farm. And later he was visited by King saying, you'll do good to, if you're asked to say that I was working for you, your memory mu- mu- must be mistaken. Whoa. Yeah. So like his, his alibi didn't quite line didn't line up. up no. Mm. Um, and also kind of a good looking dude, 36 years old, 6'4", big guy. One thing that I really found interesting is it was kind of known, well, I don't know if it was known throughout the town, but several townspeople did note that, and I think even the mother, her mother noted that Chrissy never liked him. Hmm. And so she would, anytime she would see him like, you know, off in the distance, she Mm -hmm. would run and hide in the woods, which to me, that's 
really creepy. And yeah. a, another thing that was a little weird, well, he was also one of the guys that he was the only person in the area. I mean, you know, once you start kind of connecting the dots, this is a small, very small population, very small sort of mm-hmm. area. He's literally the only guy that was unaccounted for. Now, you could have, you know, people passing through, but for the people in the, like, the you know, the official townspeople in the area, he's the only one that wasn't accounted for. Right. When he was, like, I guess taken in and, and questioned, he made a couple, like, statements that were really sort of bizarre. He said, you know, for a 13-year-old, she had the development of a woman. Good Lord. Which it's like you. <clears throat> I mean, that right there, having daughters, I'm like, yeah, lock that. Burn yeah. What is like, why would he? Uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. They're, the detective that was kind of leading this whole thing, Frederick T. Harmon, when he interviewed him, he said that Chrissy had visited his home two months prior for business. Hmm. To me, that was really weird. It's like, what yeah. business would you have for a 13 year old? Uh, one other piece of like, you know, kind of terrible tragedy is that uh, four years earlier, so she's 13, so she would have been a little under 10, yeah, nine or 10. A man named Newman Allen also assaulted Chrissy when her mom sent her to his house to deliver the milk. Uh, When Chrissy was there, she saw that he was, I guess, taking a bath. So she, you know, did the right thing. And she she stood outside and like waited for him to come because she was, you know, delivering milk. And I guess he, when he got dressed, he said, walk with me to, you know, whatever, farm animals, pigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he assaulted her at the age oh, of nine or God. ten. God. Yeah, so it's just like, it's really, really awful. Man. Yeah. So I just thought that... Uh, yeah, I didn't, that's an interesting detail. I didn't, um, I love the way that we split this up, by the way. Yeah, me too. So that like, you're telling me stuff that I didn't know and then mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, so I think we got to talk about the letter. So, wait, what letter? A few, you'll see, man, a few <laughs> days after George William King, well, a few days after all this happened. Mm-hmm. In fact, March 6th, so five days later, after, the, after they found her body and they went on the search and all that, George William King receives a letter that says, with no signature, the letter simply says, Take care. I saw you murder Chrissy Venn, and if you don't confess, I'm going to tell the police. The letter also contained like this crude picture of a man hanging from the gallows. So this is, Hmm. you know, King, of course, went to the police station, but not to confess. He just basically was demanding that the police find the the author. Which, weird. I mean, he he could have done it. Yeah, right, right, right. What a way to like get him off the trail. Right, yeah. King said that he believed he knew who the writer was laying the blame at the door of one of the young Herp boys. Those were the boys that heard the scream from that, from that farm. Um, Which by the way, that is, that was a detail that I thought like, and again, I mean, it was, you know, 101 years ago. So obviously we don't know exactly what happened. I mean, maybe they just barely heard like a, but like, I mean, boy, if you heard like a help from like a young girl, I just feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, like I, I, I don't know anybody that, I, that I, I wouldn't think would just immediately go running. Right. But man, and we'll get into, I know that we're going to get into this in a little bit. Yeah. 
But there's some reasons why I wouldn't nowadays after reading a certain book, if you could catch my drift, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because just like you said, that is a reason like everybody would run to that, especially yeah. if it was a voice that you recognized. Anyway, right. we'll get there in a second. Yep. So this is kind of interesting that this detective that was working the case, Detective Harmon, stated that he hadn't found the author of the letter, but that he deducted it had been written by a woman. Mm. Uh, so needless to say, George William King gets arrested for the murder of Chrissy Vinn. Right. He goes on trial. Several months later, obviously, August 14th, the trial began. Six days, only six days later, the jury comes back with a returned verdict. George William King was found not guilty of the murder of Chrissy Vinn. Right. Man. <clears throat> so, which I think, I think I should add that during this time he was arrested, which kind of to me felt like the cops were like, well, yeah, well, we may not have evidence of this, but you're, we're going to find some. So apparently he had, he was like also jailed for 157 days shortly after that for, for some other, some other sort of crime, I guess, that he had committed. I, I couldn't find anything on that. It was kind of vague. But during the 157 days that he spent in jail, his, literally his life kind of fell apart. Uh, mm. He lost his house. His wife had like a mental breakdown because, you know, she was trying to do everything and mm-hmm. had a small child. And once he got out, he, several years later, he committed suicide. Yikes. Uh, so. Well, here's here's another interesting yeah. thing. So first, after the acquittal, the detective that like who was leading the investigation was dismissed under the grounds of incompetence. Mm. There were also a couple other relatively good suspects that were dismissed without any further investigation or being interviewed because that detective was just so sort of like hyper-focused on George William King being the murderer. Right. Also, the coroner, you know, got a bad reputation because of how they uh, handled the case and kind of had altered findings and stuff, apparently. So there's like Mm -hmm. a bunch of sort of like weird stuff. And even though like someone a year later, like they had like apparently a confession, but it was easily disproven. No one else was ever named a person of interest in this in this murder case. Here's something that's interesting that I found, dude. Who, that, who was the confession from? Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Why would you do that? Well, here's something interesting, dude. So as I was researching this, and I mean, truly, this could literally end up being an entire separate episode. There's so much just crazy stuff about this. It's believed by some that potentially George William King was a member of a secret society called no. the Reachers. What? Yep. Wow. And so apparently his uh, defense attorney is a guy named Albert, I'm going to mess up this last name, but Ogilvy. Ogil- okay. Ogilvy. Ogilvy, mm-hmm. who would go on to become the premier of Tans- Tasmania yep. later. Yep. And there's this like group of them that just like, you know, we have these sort of, I don't know what you want to call them, like um, secret society, conspiracy stuff about heads of state and stuff like that. Oh, like in our country. Yeah, I mean, like, exactly, dude, that same kind of stuff. So, like, this secret society called the Reachers, apparently they're saying that, like, maybe he was a member of that. They got him out of it. Mm. Again, because so much of the evidence was, you know, kind of showing, you know, that he was most likely the guy that did it. And then all of a sudden, six days later, the jury comes back, not guilty. Yeah. Now, I started digging. And also, how do we know that some of the folks in the jury 
weren't also part of the Reachers. Right. And and so, like, I mean, again, I don't know how much you want to go into it, the Reachers, but there's a ton. I, I think maybe, maybe we save it for another uh, thing because there's some other very strange murders that surround mm. in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a bunch of, like, weird monuments that were sponsored by these people that are, like— Dude, I didn't find strange. anything on these Reachers. Dude, I got super lucky. That's amazing. Also, dude, there's this thing, this guy that started writing this, I guess like a blog about these things in Tasmania. Somebody met, somebody commented in code on his post about the Reachers. And there's like multiple posts, dude. This person is like communicating. I mean, do you want, I don't. No, 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 get into it, man. Let's get into it. Okay. I mean, we're definitely going to do a show. I don't know much about them. So like, that's the thing. I I didn't have a chance because it was so far, you know, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the fact that like I found that was like, oh my gosh, man. It was so last minute too. that's cool. It's it's amazing because it reminded me, it reminded me a lot of our Andrew WK episode Mm. with all like the ciphers and the codes and all that stuff Mm -hmm. that somebody's commenting on this dude's board and doing it in code, and then someone else starts to communicate with that person mm. in, I think, once in German, and then other codes. There's some back and forth there, and then they just won't leave this dude that's got this blog alone. So it's super, super intense. So I think we need to shelve that for another episode yeah. down the road yeah. where we start diving into like secret societies. Secret societies yeah. and the power of them and, and all that. It's fascinating, man. Um, now, what I think we need to do, though, now that we've kind of got the details about the tragic murder of Chrissy Venn, those strange uh, circumstances that surround the mystery of her death, mm-hmm. I think we need to kind of go into some of the stuff that people report happening to them when they go on this road. Now. After these messages, we'll be right back. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Due to some of the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. So, um, I'm back again. I've just stopped my car to kind of try and work out if I could find some of these areas that are kind of talked about when when they're discussing Allison Road. Um, The two key ones being the stump itself, which is apparently a little off from the road and Given that I don't have a local person to show me, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find it. I'm going to try. And then specifically, there's another part of the road called the Dip, which is mentioned in a few of the stories. I think I kind of passed through it. So I think and it was a very creepy area. So I've decided to 
I, I reached the dead end at the end of Allison Road. So I've turned around. I stopped to relieve myself while I was there and I don't know, it could just be your eyes kind of playing tricks and things, but it, it felt like, it felt very much, and, and it still does as I drive the car. I haven't seen any other cars as I've been out here. It, it feels like being watched a little bit. A couple of times I've seen flashes of white in the mirror and things like that, but again, I, like nothing. I certainly haven't seen a girl standing on the side of the road, but the vibe is creepy. I'm not sure if I may be coming through the area now known as the dip. There's a thing that says if you turn the radio on, some people have had issues, so let's see what I get. I could swear that I heard a voice as I walked back to the car coming from the radio. Nothing now. Alright, we'll continue our drive. Definitely can see that if you returned here at night time, it would be kind of terrifying. So I've driven all the way from one end to the other and we can kind of flick that radio off now. So I've driven all the way from one end to the other and it's it's very much a creepy area. Um, quite beautiful as well. Uh, lots of tall, tall trees. Um, very, there are houses and things. They're all mostly a ways away from the road though. It's such an isolated feeling. Um, easy to see how if you're out here at night you would you would feel truly alone. I drove all the way from one end to the other and only saw one car as I came back out. Also easy to see how many many years ago someone walking by themselves could, could become a target. So many places to hide. So many places to potentially jump out at someone from to, to drag them away from the road it's, it's really it's quite sad thinking about it but then also very um, very easy to see how it's become a, a sort of a local paranormal hotspot so I've left Alison Road now I'm, I'm on the road I'm back out while I didn't see anything concrete certainly the vibes in there were very very creepy I had several moments where you'd see what felt like something out of the corner of your eye or a white white thing in the back in the rear vision mirror and I think probably a lot of that can be explained as my mind playing tricks on me I know it's a creepy place and there are many creepy stories attached but it 100% has has a vibe to it. It is a creepy place, and if anywhere is going to be haunted, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I could imagine that that might be a place. So, yeah. Hope some of that was helpful for you guys, and um, all those listeners, enjoy. That would be rad.
All right. So I know that when you guys were listening just now, you heard like that weird sort of, um, I don't know what you would call that, Tyler, like that sort of like feedback sequence that, that was happening with the microphone when he was trying to see, when he was driving through that area mm-hmm. that reportedly people talk about one of the things that happens on Allison Road is this radio signal disruption, right? Right. And Which, by the way, this is so amazing to me and such like beautiful synchronicity that he sent us this stuff because mm-hmm. like when I was editing the audio, trying to clean it up a little bit, like I was so close to getting all that out, to just filtering a lot of that stuff out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you hit me up yesterday and you were like, dude, like... What Tyler's talking about is whenever I was kind of, you know, not to pull the curtain back too much and, and go too far behind the scenes if, if you're bored with this kind of stuff, but anytime we have like a listener story mm-hmm. or whatever, I like to listen to the whole thing, mm-hmm. make notes about different things that I want to do or sounds that I want to put in there mm-hmm. or, or just whatever. I want to get the gist of, of the feeling of it before I start adding music and, and that kind of thing. When I listen to this and he says, you know, like, I think this is the area when, it, and then it comes back and it's making that weird sound. I thought, I, I didn't really at first understand what was going on. I didn't either. And that's very weird, but, you know, I don't know. Well, as we were doing our research on this, I came across this guy, and this is just one of the moments that I got totally freaked out while preparing for this episode. I found this guy on YouTube who is also from a Tasmania. So he's got this YouTube channel called The Ghost Detectives, mm-hmm. okay? And he had a video called Investigation of Chrissy Vin. okay? Mm-hmm. When he's out there, it's at night, and I kid you not, man, in the middle of him like talking, he's trying to like sort of not summon the ghost, or but he's trying to interact with this spiritual uh, presence. Mm-hmm. And he says something along the lines of like, "Oh, here, let's just play it." Is there anyone here with me? Oh, we got a voice. Is Chrissy Van here? So when I heard that exact same signal coming from this guy's microphone, Mm -hmm. that blew my mind. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, because it's like one thing if Brendan was out there and he just, maybe there was some sort of interference with his radio or something. I I don't know. It freaked me out, dude. I could not believe Mm -hmm. that they both experienced the same sound. Yeah. And presumably didn't know that that was happening until... They came back because that's another thing. Brendan sent us a message. like, man, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know some of the things that would happen to him out there. And you might have caught it in the, you know, at the very, very top of the show. Mm-hmm. The mic would just cut out on him mm-hmm. for no reason. And he didn't know. Yeah. It was just like he didn't know until he got back to, you know, I guess his house or whatever it, it, that he noticed that. To me, the 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 sound, that sort of intermittent kind of sound, almost something about, I mean, it doesn't, not exactly, but something about it feels like, do you remember when we were growing up and you have your your cell phone beside your PC mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. before it would ring it would be like do 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 like yeah 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 something about that like like signal coming through which I mean again it, it, you know I mean you could go in so many directions but I mean what was the guy Brunelli his you're talking about uh, Marcello Bacci Bacci that's it that's it yeah I mean it kind of could lean into that you know if you do believe that there's some sort of 
you know, spiritual kind of thing mm-hmm. going on that's affecting electromagnetism, I guess, if you will, in the area. Yeah. But it's awesome. I'm so glad that that you were able to, that you caught that. Because what's funny is I had watched that exact video uh, while I was working and I totally didn't even put two and two together. So Yeah, man, I, I got like full body chills when I heard it yeah. because I just listened to you know, our recording. Mm-hmm. And and then I heard that, and I was just like, uh, "What?" Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. I, I, it just it was it was mind blowing. So some of the things that I think we have in common with urban legends and stuff. There was a road close to where I went to high school. I forget what it was called, but basically the legend was that someone had died in a terrible car wreck on the road, mm-hmm. and there was a stop sign. Basically, a teenager had driven through a stop sign and then got into a bad wreck or whatever, and. and you know, unfortunately, it died or whatever. Kind of like your your dead man's curve, urban kind of, legend. Yeah, that kind of kind thing. Of thing yeah. But the, the stop sign was at the top of this, like, hill. Mm-hmm. And the legend goes that, like, if you put your car in neutral... Oh, I know these. ...right yeah. there, the car would pull up, right? I think that legend is, is you know, found in all over the place. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, truly, I tried it with my friends. It didn't work, you know, but maybe the car moved a little bit, and you're like, ah. Uh. So, like, the scary part is that you're going uphill... Mm-hmm. You know, something's pulling you up to the stop sign or whatever. Which, um, which it is interesting that you say that, not to derail you, but it is interesting just how many, how many of those like you know crybaby mill type things and like Gravity Hill or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times those are like sort of it's sort of a trick of the eye, like it's actually not downhill. Right. It's sort of, but I I do love that there's that's such a common thing you know and in, in all, pretty much every small town yeah man it's uh, like where did that's another thing that's just equally as fascinating is where do those things like originate yeah yeah well and what's weird is like we had a i can't remember what it was called but it was like one of those gravity hill things but when i moved to alabama back in like the my other band days long long time ago uh there was a place there where i guess for some reason a criminal guy was like hung by this tree and the whole town was kind of, which is really kind of morbid to think about, back in the mm-hmm. day, like the whole town would just show up to watch this dude be hanged. And mm-hmm. he was hung by this huge oak tree. And th- so the myth was like you pull your car up, you know, and you can be like 10 foot away, you put it in neutral, and your car will slowly start like pulling itself to the tree. So, yeah, so I- I'm with you. I don't know where that sort of like anthropology of that that folklore yeah. comes from, but. Which Ann and I were talking about this the other day. It's 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 an absolute tragedy that that's not what I got my degree in. Like anthropology. Oh, yeah. How did I? You know. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, I don't want to digress too much. Well, that's there. why we have the podcast. You're. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I mean, it's giving me the opportunity to just like learn. Yeah, right. A bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> here's the kind of the mystery and the and the legend that surrounds this this haunted road. There are really, as you heard Brendan talk about in the audio, there's two things that people kind of go out there to try to find and see. One is the tree stump. Uh, the other is this area called the dip. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the activity is reported. People will have car engine problems. Like they report driving through that area and then all of a sudden their car just like completely shutting off. Mm. And Like the axe thing you were talking about? What is that? Yeah, so like some people will report that they see like an axe floating through the air or Whoa. that they will see a young girl or that they'll hear a young girl's voice. Like if the, if the windows are rolled down mm-hmm. 
in that video that I found about this, and I really do encourage everybody to go give this guy some love and some traffic, the ghost detectives uh, on YouTube, you know, you you can actually hear mm-hmm. a girl's voice, man, when he's asking questions and doing all this kind of stuff. And, and it's just, it's so freaky. But yeah, and, um, and, you know, we would be remiss not to mention that, I mean, again, this is like, deeply mired in tragedy. I mean, it really is Mm, mm -hmm. awful, awful story. But like, again, it, you know, because of what she was wearing, it lends itself to, you know, the eventuality of the lady in white sort of myth or urban legend. Yeah. Before we get into what we think and all the other different things that it connects to, Mm -hmm. just real quick. Another one of the, the urban legends is that there's like the hitchhiker who people, it's like a young girl. Mm-hmm. They pick her up. They're like talking or whatever. They look in the back seat, vanished. Which didn't we have, isn't that the exact same? Yeah, as, dude, that's kind of like my, that's, I mean. Well, yours vanish, and, but, and the girl from Lake Lanier that drove off the bridge. Yeah, yep. Man. Yeah, yeah and, and again, that's another one. It's like, where do these sort of like tropes, where do they come from? I mean, that's odd. That's the main thing is like, there's radio interference, their cars kind of mess up and stall, um, you know, apparitions of a, of a young female in white. Mm-hmm. They've seen all of that kind of thing. I, I, I did see where, which Brendan kind of sort of alludes to is the idea that like, you know, you look in your rear view or you look in your mm. your mirror and you see someone like behind you or walking behind your vehicle. Like that. that's another fairly common one too, which... It's yeah, even like when he was describing like getting back in the car mm-hmm. and just having that weird like overwhelming feeling of like just something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know if listeners, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's not anything that I certainly like go looking for, but there is something like really um, exciting about that feeling, right? You know, like well, you, you get that weird vibe, and you're just like, uh, I mean, not now. Like I don't want that in my house. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not actively searching that kind of stuff right. out. Um, well, it's exciting after as you a kid. Left. I mean, and like, yeah, when you're like safe. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you do like a, I don't know, a thousand rosaries or something. Right. Right. Um, Could have just don't know anything about Catholicism. Okay. Dude, this is the part where I think we need to dive into some of the other stuff, the connective tissue mm-hmm. for all the things that we've been reading over the past, like, year and a half and for you like much longer than that mm-hmm. but there's a lot of these things that i kind of text you about when i was like dude what about this what about this that surround this even even just her murder mm-hmm. that like i think is really fascinating that i kind of want to dive into oh i love yeah with, with now this is like my bread and butter here so i immediately kind of had that feeling of it, it is so the story by within itself is again, tragic, and it's it's kind of grisly and, like, pretty terrible. But there's something to me about just a few things not quite adding up, and then mainly, like, that she was stuffed in a tree. And to me, that's, like, yeah. it, for some reason, it immediately kind of takes me back to To Kill a Mockingbird, and there's just, like, something that's just not... It's just really unsettling about that. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know about the Reachers, like the secret society thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there could be something to the, you know, and again, we're just completely speculating. Yeah, this is not us trying to solve the mystery. Yeah. This is us presenting all of these incredibly strange mm-hmm. potential possibilities of what went on here. 
including George William King just being a murderer that got away with it, right? Yeah, which uh, honestly, I think there's a strong possibility that it was him. And and he probably didn't commit suicide. He probably got killed by the Reachers. <laughs> well, just saying. could be, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, usually I would lean into like it being something supernatural or paranormal. But like, man, there's a lot of things that don't quite cut it with this guy, especially, you know, the idea that she didn't like him, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but... But so this is sort of the the area where we kind of go off the rails and we just sort of let our minds wander and let our imaginations kind of run wild with this. Yeah. I'm currently reading the book by the author Tim Marchenko uh, called Disembodied Voices. And it's taking me so, so long to read because it's like, I, I can't think. It, it, dude, like, I think I, not to toot my own horn here, but I think I said it perfectly when we were talking about this this past week. It's literally every single paragraph, almost every sentence, you want to just stop, take a note, yeah, like mm-hmm. research something, you know, it's not only is it just well written, yeah, I highly recommend it for anyone that's like it's so good into this kind of not when I say this kind of stuff, I'm not talking true crime necessarily, but I'm just talking about like the strange, yeah, right? yeah, sort of the, the high strangeness, rad strangeness, yeah. yeah, yeah, give give Tim some love and uh. Go follow him on Instagram or social media. It's so good. Yeah, it's it is absolutely fascinating. But the thing that so this book is basically, in a nutshell, his kind of quest to, and we're trying to get him on. I think uh, hopefully we'll eventually have him on. But mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're listening to him, uh, this is let's make it happen. This is for you, buddy. He he's kind of on a quest to find out find out you know more on like the folklore of like this sort of. Um, you know, kind of like the siren song or like something mm-hmm. that's like luring you away or like the mm-hmm. piper or, I mean, it gets into like pan and like it, it's it's fascinating. Missing 411. Yeah, Missing 411 has like a heavy, heavy sort of link to this book. So I'm in this book. It's taken me longer than any other book I've ever read because it's just like I, I keep going back. And what's funny too is mm-hmm. not only is it so good, it's also... I mean, he could be our third co-host. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. he is on the exact same wavelength that we are, you know, with all this kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. as soon as Woody brought this this story up and was like, hey, you know, we got this, uh, these messages. I mean, this was a long time ago. Um, yeah. It was like, it, it immediately was like, oh, I, I wonder what this like connection is. And then I found like, found out about like her being in the tree and all mm-hmm. of that. And Woody just kept saying, uh, in this past week, he's like, God, I feel like there's like a section, and this is just sort of a small aside, but he's like, I feel like there's a section in that book that like it talks about like these trees or like people being found like in the root systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a ton last night, didn't read anything. I got this morning, Woody, um, Woody and I are on the phone, and Woody literally goes, God, I so wish that you could find it. I, it, well, first I was I was moaning about the fact that like you got to just hurry up and finish it so that I can have my book back <laughs> yeah. so that I could have found yeah. it. So that was the first thing I was complaining. Yeah, he was first. complaining. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's like, God, I wish you could find it because I know it's something in there, and you know, with it being Tim's writing, it's it's fascinating, and God, I, like it really sucks that we're doing this episode and not having that yeah. to add in. You know, I yeah. literally like you and I are, we we really thrive on synchronicities and they happen mm-hmm. to us a lot. I literally pick up the book. I 
just go while I'm on the phone. While we're on the phone, I literally go like you know, flip through the pages. It literally lands on the exact two pages where this happened. The first sentence of this page says, and what of the fact that Evan said that he slept inside a tree during his first night in the wilderness? Mm -hmm. Could this be a reference to the tree-dwelling entities covered in the earlier chapter? Mm -hmm. So Tim also, he kind of goes into this. I'm I'm just kind of read this briefly because I think it is, I think, again, there's something... Uh, Hold on, before you do, before you do, part of the reason why, yeah, but hold on, before you do, part of the reason why we both immediately were like kind of piecing this this connection together with this sort of legend and then also that book is this, like Tim's book is, like you said earlier, sort of about his own personal experience and quest to find out like this phenomenon of when a certain age group too, typically 10 to 12 to 13 years old, Can sometimes be lured into you know the woods or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and then vanish. Yeah, right. Uh, luckily for Tim, he didn't vanish, but he had an insane experience, man. Yeah, and I cannot wait to have him on the show because it's just crazy and it's just amazing. But anyways, all of these things kind of connected. That it's like this is a young girl. She, you know, liked to go down this road. Was she lured in? But go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. One of the things that I immediately thought of, and again, I'm like, you know, heavy, heavy into this Disembodied Voices book, is like what he was saying. It's 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 all about the, this whole thing is kind of based around this, this some sort of entity, you know, off the beaten path for, I mean, really thousands of years. And, you know, a lot of sort of things tying to that is like, oh, well, you know, is it the God Pan to all around the world, like all these international kind of things of like, you know, luring children off the path, you know, the siren, pulling people, the will of the wisp, the, I mean, there's so many sort of amazing characters and creatures that, that he kind of brings up. And you do kind of get this overall vibe that like this is this is a really common thing like throughout history and throughout you know various folklore across the globe but um i immediately kind of thought that you know the idea whenever i heard also that she never liked king you know the guy that we've been speaking about uh, she never liked him and so if she saw him way off in the distance and knew that it was him she would run deep into the woods and hide uh so she wouldn't have to see him and so I immediately thought, like, is this, is there something more to this, like, like lure or, you know, siren's call that's, like, pulling her off? So knowing that that's something that she did, you know, much like with Tim, it's like this, he heard a voice that sounded just like his dad. Uh, it, you know, newsflash, it was not his dad. But mm-hmm. was this thing, this entity, creating this mirage of this king guy off in the distance, knowing that she would run off into the woods? And like, Man. it's just fascinating. But in, in this particular a couple of pages that, you know, we've been trying to find in this book, you know, it says, simply put, could trees be the periscopes of the underworld? Nigel Pinnock makes a summarization of the link between worlds in his book, Celtic Sacred Landscapes. The tree, like the human, is a mediator between the upper and lower worlds, linking with its serpentine water courses, the underworld of the ground, the surface of the ground upon which we live and the sky and air. We've sp- spoken about this before, so this may be a little familiar, but ghosts like the Orang Bunyi may hide their victims under a tree and out of sight from any would-be rescuers. 
Some believe they only take the people they like, whatever those criteria may be. Uh, the Bumaso is a ghost that specifically lives in the roots of trees. In German folklore, many elves are believed to live underground among the roots, some inside the tree trunks themselves. Unlike the invisible beings of Elf Hill, to upset them in any way can result in illness or worse. But it's not all in folklore and ghost stories. He then goes on talking about this young boy that is said that uh, the boy's body had been placed under the tree roots and covered. Uh, if it wasn't for scavenging animals, it's likely the body would have been lost forever. Another case, it's an incident from 1904, took place in Washington. Uh, locals were excavating a stump across the commencement bay in a place called Gig Harbor. The giant fir tree had been removed 25 years prior. The ugly stump was all that remained. Beneath the trunk and fused with the roots in the center of the tree was a human skeleton. Jeez. Upon examination, the bones were determined to belong to a Native American or what the article described as an Indian. The tree was estimated to be 300 years old, much older than the remains. It's unclear whether the body was put there or the tree simply grew and expanded over the top of the gravesite. Uh, he also talks about in the book of Genesis from the Bible where it states Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and was buried under the oak tree outside Bethel. Uh, a number of writings suggest that the Druids also buried some of their dead under tree roots. The tree would then embody the ghost of the person hidden underneath. During the time of witch trials, the Croatians would bury all women under the roots of old trees. If they were suspected of witchcraft, the roots and branches would bind them to the earth leaving them unable to ascend to heaven, acting somewhat like the organic bars of a prison cell. So it's like, you know, we're not saying that, that this is, you know, for sure what we believe because, again, I, there's a lot of this that I lean into Mr. King. But it is pretty fascinating. And it is, you know, there's, there's a lot of weird occurrences, you know, now after the fact. I think that, uh, I think I've said before, but I don't really know what to think about what I think about ghosts or spirits because uh, my opinion has, you know, changed so much over the years. But I would say that, you know, this feels a lot like the lady in white phenomenon or, you mm -hmm. know, this sort of like, like the crow, uh, this sort of like venging or vengeful spirit, yeah. you know, looking for retribution. I think there's a strong possibility of that. However, one thing that I do think is interesting, which gets back into sort of you know Fortiana is the idea of like the 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 cars going bad or these sort of electric malfunctions and like the radio and you know radio signals or, or electromagnetism in the area I like the idea that that maybe this area is you know serves as like what John Keel would call a window area where like mm -hmm. maybe the veil is a little thinner and like and so right. Did all of these crazy, terrible events, did these things happen because of this sort of bad energy that was maybe already in the area? Or mm -hmm. did this death of this young girl who kind of went without any sort of closure or, you know, like I said before, retribution or, or like anybody seeking revenge, it was kind of everything was left unanswered with, with young yeah. Chrissy. And so did that like intent and that energy like basically kind of create a window area or mm -hmm. like curse the land or whatever? Or was that energy, was that energy already present? And this just happens to be like an area, like you said, that's like a thinning of a veil or like one of the ideas that I had too was like, maybe there's some sort of like, it's like a area where there's like a portal, right? Yeah, so right. there's all this like, 
we perceive it as electronic interference and all that, but maybe it's just an area that maybe that's part of the reason why she liked that road. Like I started thinking about this mm. last night too. Mm. Like what if there were some sort of like, you know, pan light creature or like fae or like, you know, like the 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 German um, folklore that you mentioned where it's like the elves. The right? Boomasai, yeah. And like maybe they were sort of like playing with her and toying, you mm-hmm. know, with her and stuff like that. And then, you know, maybe they were, you know, nefarious in some way. And, and that's kind of like how she met her end. But, you know, like in other words, they just kind of like make her just like a lot of victims. Um, they become familiar with their um, attacker or whatever. They let their guard down yeah. and then that's whenever they get they get hurt. And so like that's something that I was thinking of. But then like also I started thinking about uh, where the footprints end. Yeah. When we started talking about, about like, too, yeah. you know, the lady in white and the fact that like, I mean, look, there's so many elements to this story. And that's part of the reason why I was just like, oh man, you know, this is just incredible. I can't wait to talk about it. There's so many of these elements in this, like mm-hmm. the similarities between like UFO uh, sightings and abductions and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. same with like a Bigfoot encounters and even like abductions, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the lady in white is one, um, but also like, I mean, the, you know, and I hope this doesn't sound crude, but whenever I started thinking about somebody that would have enough strength to essentially stuff someone yeah. into a tree trunk, I was like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was it like a freaking Bigfoot that just like, yeah. you know? I don't know though, man, this... And again, as fascinating all those other things are, it's like, boy, that secret society kind of, right? That ritual right. human sacrifice thing—it's terrifying, dude. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, how easy is it? How easy would it be for a secret society that's very well connected mm-hmm. to have like a patsy? I mean, I'm also recently been turned on to this um, this podcast called the MLK Tapes, where they kind of like go through. Oh, I've heard about Martin that, Luther yeah. King assassination. Again, there's so much to it that it's like uh, mm-hmm. there's no way, at the very least, at the very, very surface level, there's no way that, that um, this person acted just like independently alone. Yeah. 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 Just like 100% no way. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a bunch of stuff like how crooked the justice system can be yeah. in any country, I think. It's a, it's a lot like know. the JFK thing, too. It's like there's so many. Yeah. Like little things that just, it's so hard to kind of stay on any kind of trail because it's like. Right. And then, and then you wonder, is that their purpose too? Yeah, exactly. 100%. It's like a total psyop, you know, it's like, yeah. like disinformation agents like coming in mm-hmm. and like, yeah, no, I, I think this, this particular case has a lot of those elements. Uh, I will say there is, you know, if you're looking at it from sort of a ritual type thing with this secret society of of the reachers. I keep wanting to say the founders, which that's another terrible, terrible secret society. But there's something that it for some reason I can't stop thinking about her having like a wedding ring on. Mm. Um yeah, I didn't read that and that's interesting. Yeah. So she had a wedding ring and then on her her on her right hand and then on her left arm she had like a gold bracelet with like a gold bangle. So like I don't know. I mean, it definitely shows that whoever did this didn't need money, um, right. which, you know, the the guy's, you know, King's lawyer would have, you know, he was in it. King was in it. Uh, he would later become the premier. And again, I'm not saying that, like, you know, it was definitely them. But I'm saying, like, 
it feels like something. It feels like there's something more to this than mm-hmm. just you know a mundane like sort of true crime kind of kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Well, and you know the 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 ultimate tragedy of all of it is interesting as it is and compelling to talk about is like this poor girl, no one, whoever did this is, you know, didn't get caught. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Well, one thing that you were saying earlier is like, I do kind of like, well, I don't like the idea, but I do find this idea interesting that like, maybe it was sort of, sort of the long game. If you want to look into like the disembodied voices sort of area of like, you know, maybe, maybe this alluring thing, this like, you know, will the wisps, these lights, these, these like voices that maybe, maybe she'd been hearing for a long time. She would walk this road basically almost daily there and back, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's six miles, you know? So, uh, like you were saying earlier, it's like, you know, the whole point is to kind of like get people to let their guard down. And so mm-hmm. she was comfortable enough in the area that like, you know, if she saw him, she would run. So like, or, you know, run out into the woods and I don't know, man, just, just that idea of like sort of luring you into the woods and then to your, yeah. your doom. It's scary, man. Yeah, it is. One, one other thing that, you know, and not to end on a bad note, but as tragic as this whole story was, she also had an aunt uh, that would also go to commit suicide a few days later after she was found. And then her family they were too poor to even buy a gravestone. So the town chipped in to uh, buy like a, you know, a simple little headstone. Sadly, it's in a completely different area in the the Methodist cemetery that because it was done in less than favorable circumstances, Mm -hmm. that it was sort of considered something that would like bring dishonor. So, Mm-hmm. Even in her Dang. her burial, she's she's buried away from everybody else because because it was like you know sort of a an assault you know a sexual assault uh, and it would bring dishonor to all the other graves in the cemetery. So even in death, even in burial, she's still you know man pretty sad. Yeah, boy. Yeah, still fascinating though. Well, where do you want to go from there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, I feel like we threw out a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of the the stuff that we're into with, you know, Pan and and the Fae and all that kind of stuff. I feel like, you know, we've sort of explored, like, how this could possibly sort of fit in that box. Yeah, man. Um, it's just, it's all, you know, it's one, like I said multiple times in, in the show, this is a case where, no matter what happened, whether it was just sort of flesh and bone mm-hmm. bad guy, if you will, yeah, or you know some sort of um, thinning of the veil and some sort of like creature enticing this young lady uh, to get closer and 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 you know making its attack at that point, or uh, you know a group of uh, freaking aliens that uh, just happened to mm. be there, whatever it is, something about that tree though, man. Yeah, no. Man. I mean, why wouldn't you just bury her off in the woods? Nobody would ever find them. Right. But stick it's, it in this giant tree. Like, yeah, no. It's weird. God, I wish, man, we need to like bring that up to our buddy's wife, Anna, who mm. is really good on the psychology piece of things and try to, you know, and see what her thoughts are and, and mm. if that's some sort of display of, of like power or some sort of like trophy yeah. type, type thing. Um, you know, one thing before we go, one thing that I read that I thought 
it's pretty interesting just the way, just to think about. Because I was very much like interested in this idea of like trees potentially being like a, like a portal mm-hmm. or a doorway yeah. to, you know, another dimension or whatever. And now I know, again, we're getting out there with some of this thought process, but man, I just like talking about this stuff. And, and I know you listeners, you probably don't have a lot of friends at work that like to talk about this stuff too. So that's probably why you're, you're here with right. us. But anyhow. <laughs> that's why. Like I found this, yeah, I found this cool quote that said like trees are portals. Mm-hmm. And, if, and it says old growth trees are like living portals. These trees have been witnesses of ancient mm-hmm. coasts, celebrations, ceremonies. They're the connectors, the ones who will remember today's songs and dances when we the people are gone. These trees represent the doorway to the longhouse and we are encouraged to step through. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Intense, right? But like if you start to think about it and forget about the portal part, a lot of these trees think about it, man. I mean, they've seen mm-hmm. generation upon generation upon generation of, of people, you know, I say see. Yeah. As a, you know. If these trees biologist, uh, Yeah, right, exactly. They've just been around throughout all that. Yeah. It's just super interesting. Well, there there is there is some stuff in the, I know David Pilatus, his, his work in uh, Missing 411, there's a lot of kind of bizarre, like anomalous sort of cases where people are found in trees or, or there's a, you know, giant tree uh, one day when the search party's going by and then like, you know, the next day the tree has completely fallen over the path and there's the missing kid or whatever laid out on the tree. It's like there are a lot of weird kind of you know, there's some some weird stuff associated with, mm. with trees. There's also Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin. Uh, I know we mentioned earlier, but their two books uh, were The Footprints. And I bought you the first book, but I think in the second book, uh, they get a little more into the tree stuff too. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to dig in, dig in the mm-hmm. second part. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you, Brendan, for sending us this incredible uh, yeah. story and, for, well, basically being brave enough to drive down that dang scary road. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was just tremendous. So thanks so much, man. Yeah, for sure. If you want to talk to us or reach out, uh, hit us up on Instagram at That Would Be Rad. You know, we have a great little community, I always say. We have just such an awesome little That Would Be Rad family. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, join us. If you have anything to tell us, hit us up in our DMs or if, like I always say, if it's more long form, feel free to shoot us an email, a voice memo or essay, whatever. To that would be radpod at gmail.com. Also, I always kind of forget to say this, but I think it's important. If you like the show and you're a longtime listener or a first time listener, just go and tell one friend about the show. That's all we ask because just like that, we double our listeners. Also, go give us a five star review on iTunes. I know you can do it now on Spotify. Don't even bother if you don't feel like doing a five-star. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, put in the work if you like the show, and uh, that's how we get in front of more listeners. Yeah, and like Tyler said, you know, if there's something that you want us to cover, not even necessarily a personal experience of yours, but if you know of a story mm. that, you know, is is local to your hometown or maybe you want us to dive a little bit deeper and have a part two to one of our previous episodes yeah. in season one or season two, whatever it is, always feel free to reach out to us. We love uh, that kind of stuff. And if we can uh, make it happen, we will. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, anything else, bro? I think that's it. So like we always say, we love you. 
We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Secret society stuff, dude. What dude. the f- man? I didn't. I know, man. I didn't it's know. It's nuts, bro. Yeah, I didn't know. And anything. I mean, like, when I started like reading the code and stuff, and this guy's talking about him, it is just wild, dude. Mm. Like, mul- like, like multiple languages. So, no, well, yeah, but also just like there's like religious undertones yeah. and stuff, and and stuff about like the Vatican and like. Mm. 
just crazy stuff, man. Hold on, let me let me read one of the messages here. Well, real quick though, so is are the reachers like? I mean, obviously it was around back then, but I mean, is it still kind of going strong? Um, hold on, just a second. I mean, I guess it would have to be if it's. Yeah, I mean, they're they're guy. like this guy is saying like on his he's got. I mean, there's tons of posts, dude. So I didn't get a chance to go through it, mm-hmm. but like he's basically saying, yeah active, alive and well, many of the government people are like involved in it. I mean, just weird stuff. Which, I mean, I don't want to get, Jesus. Sorry, man. That is so loud. Uh, Which, I mean, you know, not to like try to solve something by, you know, using sort of modern hindsight, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there is a lot of sort of history in that like ritual child abuse, ritual child mm-hmm, sacrifice mm-hmm. with like these secret societies. Right. So Right, dude. And, and again, perhaps. I mean, heck, you even, you look at the Bohemian Grove and like, you know, they have like the effigy of like the mock human sacrifice and like, I mean, hell, maybe that was, maybe the whole tree thing was literally part of, of the, 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 yeah, the ritual. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and beyond that, I mean, I know that we can't find like an exact number of like how big this thing is, but to like lift somebody up, you know, I think they said that she was around like 120, 130 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, to lift somebody up and then put her, you know, this huge tall, you know, tr- stump, tree, whatever, and then put her in this thing, like, I mean, hell, maybe it was a whole yeah, group. Of group people, yeah. I mean, that's one, that's certainly one theory that, um, you know, Also, this episode is brought to you by A&E's Intervention. What? From Flonase. <laughs> dang it. Okay. Here's another Ohio call. God bless, man. Oh, man. These these freaking... God, we do sound like a bunch of... Old, we're like... We, we've turned yeah. into the old Muppets, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Any any millennial or like Gen Zer is like, this is the lamest podcast ever. I'm like, man, I had, well, I had a real bad case of diarrhea last night. (laughs)